0: What does the Bible have to say about God's good plan, God's good plan for our design? You know, often we can be driven by how we feel. When I wake up each day, I am instantly aware of how I feel, and if I'm not careful, those feelings can drive my actions, my behavior. I'm often aware of what I desire, as most of us are, and those desires, if we're not careful, can drive our behaviors. What we're seeing in the world around us, what we're seeing in culture around us, and what we're seeing often, sadly, in some churches is that feelings and desires shape and define. But God didn't make us that way. He didn't make us to be shaped and defined by our feelings and by our desires. If I was to announce to you today that I was the President of the United States... I think society at large would not agree with me and, and, and because it's not objectively true. If I was to say to you, I really feel like I'm a chair today, you, you might look at me a little funny. You may or may not say anything, depends on what kind of relationship we have, but you would immediately know that is not ontologically or that is not by nature of my character. That's not really true of me. I'm not a chair. Even if I let somebody sit on me, I'm not a chair. If I were to claim something that is contrary to who I am, you you may or may not be hesitant, but it would not make it true just because I claim it. If I claim that the most important thing is to be authentic to my feelings and my desires, many society around us would agree, right? They would say that, that it's important to be true to yourself. So the question is, who is that self? What are we true to? Are we true to our desires? Are we true to our feelings? Do our feelings define us? Do our desires define us? Where do we get our identity? Where do we get our purpose from? Who or what defines us? These aren't small matters. They actually shape everything that we do. So as Christians, we want to think biblically about these issues and we want to begin by thinking objectively about our identity, who we were made to be, and, and who God's word, the truth of his word, reveals us to be. So what does God have to say about us in relation to our sexuality? It begins at, at the beginning. It begins in Genesis. So I want you to turn over to the book of Genesis, and we're going to see from Genesis 1 and 2, God's design for humanity. Before we do that, let's us pray and ask God for his help. Father, we need you. Our minds, our hearts are darkened at times by sin, by sinful desires, by deceit. But Lord, thanks be to God that the light of your word has shone forth in our heart and penetrated our hearts and minds, that that Lord, we are not subject to darkness. We've now been set free. We are no longer in darkness, but we are now children of light for all who trust in you have been made your children and brought into your kingdom of light. Lord, would you help us be renewed in our minds with the truth of your word? Would you help us love you more as a result? Would you help us love each other more, Lord? Would you help us image and reflect you more? God, I pray for each and every one of us to help us. Help us to love you with all that we are. Help us to honor you. Lord, help help us to hear from you this morning. Lord, help me to preach this morning. God, this is a weighty topic, Lord, and I'm aware of that. But Lord, thank you that you don't avoid those things. Instead, Lord, you instruct us through these things. Holy Spirit, would you speak in and to and through me and in and to and through those here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We'll turn your Bibles to Genesis 1. We'll read in verse 26 and 27 to begin with. This is what God has to say about who he created us to be. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And the first thing that we're going to see about our sexuality is that our sexuality is designed by God. We weren't created by accident. Our sexuality has been designed by God from the very beginning that we see right here. It says, so he created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. You know, my kids love to play Legos. Anybody here like to play Legos? If you're an adult and still like to play Legos, it's okay. Absolutely. Thank you, Dan, for being honest. Appreciate that. My kids love to play Legos, and they like to build the sets, and they like new sets, and so um, they they like like, the new Star Wars set that just came out, Luke Skywalker's Origins or something like that. I don't really know what it is, but they love to play Legos. They like to build the sets, but what drives me a little bit nuts is that after they build the sets, they take the sets apart, and then they build something else entirely, and and there's, there's a little bit of an OCD part of me that's like, no, leave that as a set, and then I realize that that's just weird and controlling of me. And that's a little bit like the dad in the Lego movie. If anybody knows what that's about, um, uh, I can't remember the name. But somebody, I'm sure somebody here remembers the name Kringle or something like that. It's named after the glue. Crackle. Crackle, yeah, there you go. But really, my kids are creative, and God made them to want to build new things, to do new things, to to imagine. They're creative because God made them that way. They want to make new things because that's in their nature. And I've learned over the years to embrace that and and put put my initial thoughts aside and be like, yes, that's awesome. How incredible that you can take something and create out of it something else that you imagined, that you created. And when I see a creation of theirs now, I, I don't assume that all of the complex pieces they assembled themselves. When one of my children comes up to me and they show me this new vehicle of some sort that they made like a flying ship with rockets on it, I don't assume that it all put itself together that way. I, I assume that they took all these little intricate parts that weren't related and they put them together. I assume there was a designer and a creator behind that. When you look at nature, when you look at the complexity of the cosmos, when you look at the complexity of a tree or a simple cell, it's clear that there's a designer, that there's a creator. All of creation testifies to that. We don't believe we just evolved as as purposeless individuals. Our bodies, they're wondrous. And and, and and in fact, science is still trying to figure out uh, all of the different parts of our body and how they work together. I was reading a few years ago back in, in 2018 that they discovered a brand new organ, brand new to science that is. It's not that it just came about in our bodies but it took thousands of years for us to figure out that there's this organ called the interstitium. It's, it's this kind of network of, of fluid-filled cavities that's found all throughout the body, and it communicates across your body and with your organs, and there's this intercommunication that happens, and I'm sure if you ask one of the doctors here, they can correct everything I'm saying with, with, uh, <laughs> with better explanations. But, but we're still discovering things about our body. Just a couple years ago, we discovered that there's a previously undiscovered pair of salivary glands near the center of our heads where the nasal cavity meets the throat and they're still trying to figure out what the function of that is. It's incredible to me that we're still figuring things out about our body after so many years because our bodies are intricately made, they're created and and that points to the fact that there is a creator. There's a designer. There's one who created us with intention and with design. And so what we see here in Genesis is we've been created with intention, with design. It says we've been made in God's image. We've been made as man or him, male and female. Not accidentally. You may wonder why have I been made the way I've been made, the shape I've made, the, the, the different colors, the different skin tones I've been made. Well, you've been made... By design, because God designed you intentionally, deliberately that way way, for a good purpose. And then also as men and women, he designed us as male and female. It's binary, by the way. There's males and there's females. God designed us that way. And it's a good design and it reflects him. David speaks about this in Psalm 139.13, 139.13, 13, King David, he's affirming just the, the wonder of the human body and he talks about it, he says, he says, for you formed my inward parts and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven. Your body and your sexuality is not an accident. Now the reality is, is that we have been tainted and affected by sin in our thinking, and our bodies. We're not perfect. Our thinking about our bodies is not perfect. Doesn't, it doesn't mean there's not struggles about how we've been created or the function of our bodies, that we don't struggle with that. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm, I'm, I'm reorienting our thinking back to the truth of who, who God says we are. We've been created both equally as males and females, equally meant to reflect him. And your sexuality is not an afterthought. God cares about it because God designs you as a sexual being. Now, when I say sexual being, that doesn't mean uh, sexual activity, okay? Yes, we were designed also for that, but your sexual identity does not rely on sexual activity. It's apart from that. But you were designed by God, male and female, and you were meant to, to relish that, to enjoy that. If you are a woman here, you are meant to take great joy in being a woman, If you're a man here, take great joy in being a man. Don't be ashamed of either one of those things. That doesn't mean you won't wrestle with your identity. But you're created from the very start with the body that God intended for you to have. And God animated. I love the story of Genesis, the account of God's creating of us, when He He shapes us, He takes us from the clay, He shapes us, He made our bodies first, by the way. The body is not an afterthought. Your sexuality is not an afterthought. And for those of us who think that, oh, this is just a shell, it doesn't matter, it's not who I really am, that's nonsense. Our bodies are a part of who we really are. Our sexuality as male and female is part of who we really are. It is part and parcel of who God created us to be in our identity. Don't let anyone try to separate that and say that it has nothing to do with who you are. No, God shaped you intentionally. He shaped man from the ground. He breathed his spirit. And, and it's impossible that his, with, without a body, we would not be human. And without God's spirit, we would not be alive. So together, spirit, soul, and body, we are created as one to reflect him. They're created intentionally. Our bodies are important to our being. Don't discount what you do in the body. That's who God created you to be was spirit, soul, and body. So what you do in the body matters. What you do with your body matters. And we are created with bodies and parts that were made just for us. You can't be human without a body. We're a body. We don't just have a body. We are a body that's filled with the spirit, the very breath of God. The same breath, by the way, that talks about is God breathed out into scripture. God breathed out into man and made us. We are made spirit, soul, and body all together as one. You can't separate them. It's intrinsic to who you are. It's not the totality of who you are. The totality of who you are is not defined by your sexuality, but it's a part of who you are. And our bodies, they're essential, but they're not sufficient. They need God's breath. But our, our body and our sexuality, our, our maleness and femaleness is inherently good. Being biologically male and biologically female is what it means to be us. We aren't just created as people, it says we were created him as male and female, he created them. It's the reality of. Our creation. Look down your Bibles in, in Genesis 2 and in verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God, now, now in case you're wondering, Genesis 1 is the summary of creation. Genesis 2, it goes into detail about that. So it's, it, it might be repetitive as you're reading through Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Genesis 1 is the summary. Genesis 2 is the details of that. And so in Genesis 2, we see, It says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, for there he put the man whom he formed. Now skip down to verse 18. It says, then the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. What's he saying? He says that maleness alone is actually not good. Just maleness alone is insufficient. He says, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit or corresponding to him. It says in verse 19, So out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. The man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the heaven and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit or corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. And the Bible is clear that sex and biology are binary. Male and female, two sexes, two genders. That's why we want to eschew any any notion of saying you can choose your gender, you can choose your pronouns. No, God's already done that for us. That doesn't mean that our feelings are always going to coincide with the truth of God's word, where our feelings are contrary to God's word. Just like in any other area of life where our feelings are contrary to God's word, we want to take our feelings and submit them to the truth of God's word. We want to seek to conform our feelings to the reality of what God says is true, no matter how painful or difficult that must be. It wasn't good that man was alone. Adam, he's looking at all the different creatures. You know, he sees the zebra and, and there's the male zebra, there's the female zebra. He sees, you know, giraffe and there's two of them and he sees that, hey, there's some part corresponding to them. You know, the, that, the one, the male might be larger in some species and the female might be small in other species, but they, they correspond, they, they fit together. And Adam is thinking, hey, you know, I, I can read, I can read. I can care for animals but I can't relate to them. I I can care for them but I can't have relationship with them. I don't I can't communicate with them in the same way and on the same level. I I I can't there's no one corresponding to me And, and Adam saw that it wasn't good that he was alone. He needed somebody to help him carry out the commission of God because it wasn't good. He was unable to completely carry out the commission that God had called him to without something, someone corresponding to him. And so God created them male and female. Our sexuality is designed by God. It's the second thing we see is that God designed us to, to image him in our sexuality. It says that we were created in his own Image in the image of God, He created him male and female. What that means is that maleness alone does not fully image God. You're you're you are able to fully image God as a male, but maleness alone does not fully reflect the complete image of God. We need maleness and femaleness both. We need those distinctives. We need those differences. We need each other. Men, don't think that somehow you are superior and you don't need women. Women don't think that you don't need men. Now I'm not talking about for marriage. I'm just talking about as humans to, to fully reflect the image of God. The problem is, is that sometimes we can try to use what God has given us in ways He's not intended for us. You know, I, I was thinking about if I use my my computer as a hammer or my phone as a hammer. I I might be effective in driving a nail in, but it's probably also going to be effective in completely damaging my computer or my phone. Using our our sexuality in ways that God did not design, they might function, but it's going to cause damage. You see, God designed us to image him in our sexuality, and anything that deviates from that image is going to eventually cause harm. Maybe physically, maybe mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it will cause harm. We can't misuse our body. We can't use our body for other purposes against God's design and expect no damage. And our bodies were meant to image God. And our very physical bodies were meant to image God. And they're different shapes and sizes. And, and, and our bodies matter because they were made in the image of God. In some way, the different aspects of our bodies. The different aspects of our maleness and femaleness, unconstrained by society's norms and culture and time, they were meant to image God in our maleness, in our femaleness. And you know what? Um, as God is going through creation, everything God makes, the first day when He, he, he makes creation, He speaks it into existence, He says, it's good. And then you know, he, he makes the sun, the moon, the stars, he says it's good. He makes the trees, he says it's good. He says he, he makes the fish of the, of the sea, the birds of the air, and he says it's good. And all throughout Genesis, he says it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then the culmination, really the pinnacle of his creation is when he makes man, it's the only thing made in his image. The only part of God's creation that's made in his image to image him with the purpose of imaging God is humankind and you know what he says he says he created the male and female and then when he when he creates man he says it was very good it's the only thing that God said was very good in creation why is that because it's very good that we would image God in our maleness and femaleness it's very good that we image God and so the 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 converse that is it's very bad when we do not image God Our humanity was created purposefully to image him. It's our commission. Each of us was made fully in God's image, but we need each other. Men need women. Women need men. I'm not talking about sexual activity, but we need each other. We need the differences because without that, we don't fully image him and fulfill the purpose of creation. We're diminished as a whole if we diminish Males or females. We need each other to be better humans, better image bearers of God. And after the fall, you know, this is not a product, not the fact that, hey, you know what? The fall has changed us. Well, yes, it has. But you know what? Even after the fall, we are still being spoken of as made in God's image as male and female. In Genesis 5, you can turn over your Bibles to Genesis 5 and 1 and 2. It says, this is the generations, the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God or the image of God, this is post-sin, post-fall. It says, when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. Mankind was created to image God. And, and, and even now, after the fall, um, everyone around you, I want you to look around for a minute here. Just, take, just look around, see all the different people in the room they are still made in God's image. However corrupted by the fall we become, we are still created in God's image. And and because of that, it should affect how we think of each other too. In fact, how we relate to each other. Still in in verse nine, after, after many sins had occurred in genesis chapter 9 it says whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed for god made man in his image there is a preciousness to life simply because we are made in his image Jesus, later on, when he was talking about male and female, he still, Genesis 2, several thousand years later after creation, in Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew 19, he says, the Pharisees came up to him and tested him, saying, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He says, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And that's the grounds, by the way, for why a man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, become one flesh. There's a one-to-one connection between being maids in God's image and, and being male and female. And our differentiation between male and female is inseparable from imaging God. Being male and female is essential to who we are. Now the culture has twisted that. Or there may be some cultural norms that people refer to as gender norms, the way you act and what you do, and we need to be careful. We don't want to say more than the Bible says. We don't want to say, well, boys have to act and dress in this specific way, and they can only play with these toys, or girls can only play with these toys. We don't want to do that because the Bible doesn't give us direction there, so we want to be legalistic. We also don't want to say less than what the Bible says, that those differences don't matter. And men generally, this is going to sound... Weird to you, but men generally are stronger than women. Men generally um, are able to do things physically that women are not, and that physicality is actually meant to be reflected in personality as well. You know, you think about Paul when he's talking about. He says, "I, I came to you like a, a nur- I came to you tenderly, like a nursing mother. I cared for you." What he's saying is that there is, there is beauty that that nursing moms that women have that there's an inherent femaleness and a desire for most, at least, not all, but for most, to to be caring, to be nurturing. Now, that desire can be present in men too, but that's not by default what all men are generally really nurturing and caring. Or when Paul later, he's correcting people in in his letter to Timothy, and he's talking about, I want want to make sure that I, I say something to men, and he says, you know, don't be quarrelsome, but instead lift holy hands and pray for each other, why does he do that? Well, because by nature, men may be more inclined to be more aggressive. And, and now we want to say, okay, the sinful parts of that, we want to do away with. But we want to use that to say, let's be aggressively seeking to be godly, lift holy hands in and, and worship. The Bible, it applies equally to us both as male and female, but there are differences. We're not going to go into all those. We're the same species, but we're, we're more alike than we're different. We're equal image bearers of God. Now, if you're going to talk about men and women, you have to understand we are equal in value and in worth, but our differences matter. We're equal, but different in our physiology, different in our roles. And just like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are different in their roles, and so we see different glories of the personhoods of God, so we can see the different glories of God reflected through women and through men differently but we relate to each other through our physical body and our physical presence matters because God's design is best expressed in God's way. Don't try to do away with being male. Don't try to do away with being female. God's design is best expressed in God's way. So God speaks different words to men and women to highlight those differences, but we're meant to find joy in expressing the purpose for which we were designed and created. You know, but in general, women are, are not as physically strong as muscular. And, and so if you're a woman, you might approach the world more aware of your physical vulnerabilities and more sympathetic, though, to people who are vulnerable. There's a glory in that. As men, you might be stronger, so you might also be aware of those who are weaker and in need of strength. And there's a glory in that. Men generally designed to to defend, to protect, to provide. Women generally designed to nurture, to care, support. Those differences are good. Let's not be legalistic about that play out, but let's be aware of, are we thinking biblically about this? Are Are we saying what God says? Neither more nor less. You know, I'm a male, by the way, and I rejoice in that. If you're a female, rejoice in that. That doesn't mean our, our thinking's been unaffected by sin, but it means that we're meant to rejoice in who God's made us to be. Even if there's struggles against those different feelings, different realities. But we're meant to express our sexuality in God's way. Now, what that also means is that, that God's design for our sexuality is important to consider too. We're, we're not just meant to be sexually active outside of marriage. No, God designed us So that the two become one and we're meant to be sexually active inside of marriage alone. Because our bodies matter. We're not defined by our feelings. We're not defined by our desires. If I am habitually hating people, hopefully I don't define myself as a hater. Think for a second about whatever sin you might find yourself struggling with the most. Whatever that sin might be. Maybe it's you're jealous. Maybe you struggle with fearing what other people think about you. Um, Hopefully, you're not defining yourselves as a man-fearer, man-pleaser. Hopefully, you're not defining yourselves as a jealousier, whatever that would be. A binge-watcher, an overeater, a cake-wanter. Hopefully, when people are like, who are you? You're like... Good to meet you. I'm, I'm going to make up a name. I'm Sally. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cake eater. That would be odd. I, I, I'm, I'm somebody who just loves technology, so I'm a technologist or whatever you would call yourself there. I'm not defined by my desires. I'm also not defined by my sexual temptations or my desires either. That's not what defines us. It's important for us when we're having conversations to say, no. We're not defined by our feelings. We're not defined by our desires. We're not defined by those things that are contrary to what God says we're defined by. We're not going to go through all the implications of of our differences in our sexuality, but there's a lot of different ways we can express this because our bodies are made as a gift from God. And so, because our bodies are a gift from God, you know what? So are the bodies of those who differ from us. Those bodies are made to image God. Our body is made to image God. And our body is made to be made a part of a church body as well. So what we do with our bodies matters. It's how we image God. It's how we reflect God. It's how we speak about who God is by how we live in our bodies. How you live as a male is meant to worship God, to image him, to reflect him, to show a world that's confused What does it look like to love God as a female? What does it look like to love God as a male? And that's meant to draw people to God. That also means that we have sympathy for people who struggle with that. Because we see them as image bearers who just, their thoughts have been tainted by sin and corrupted by sin. And it's sad because it it causes problems. It has consequences. So we never want to speak about people who struggle with sexuality or identity in ways that are demeaning. We don't want to mock people. Right. Why? Oh, whether they know it or not, they're made in God's image. And, and so we want to help them see the goodness of that. We want to help them see the glory of that and not be stuck, not be mired in confusion. Not be mired and constrained by our feelings, just like I don't want to be mired and constrained by when, when I wake up, I immediately feel a certain way about myself, and I have to preach the truth to myself. Well, you know what, No matter what sin you struggle with, we need the truth of God's word to inform that to set us free. So do people who are struggling with ideas of sexuality and temptations. What we do with our bodies matter. How we relate to others with our physical bodies matters. How we relate to other fellow image bearers and see that they have value and worth, not because of what they do or what they think or what they believe, but because of who God created them to be. That matters. You know, we we saw a few weeks ago, last week I guess it was in in 1 Corinthians, that how we greet people matters. How we greet people in the church matters. We greet each other physically in a holy way. What we do with our physical bodies matters. How we treat people with our bodies matters and it affects our very personhood. And for people to say, What I do with my body doesn't matter, doesn't affect me. But the reality is, for somebody who's been abused or hurt, that might be only their body, but it's deeply affecting because our bodies are connected to our personhood. You can't separate our bodies from our personhood. And so don't believe the lie that says, what I do with my body, what I watch, when I, if I watch pornography, that will not affect me. If I just have casual sex, that won't affect me. Don't believe those lies. What you do with your physical bodies matters. You not have to be ruled by those temptations. Also, we need to tell ourselves the truth that, you know what, our, our sexual activity is not necessary to being male and female. It's a good gift for those who are married, male and female, but it's not a necessity. You see, Jesus, the ultimate man, never had sex, was never married. It was not necessary for him to honor God fully, perfectly, completely, in every way. So, whether you're single or married, sexual activity is not a necessity. It can be a blessing in marriage, but it's not a necessity. And don't treat it like that, because otherwise you're treating them, our feelings and our desires, as if those are necessary things. But you know what? Sometimes I want to hit people. Do you ever feel that way? (laughs) Anybody here ever want to just punch somebody? I mean, come on. Thanks be to God, I don't. Because that's not a good feeling. It's not a good desire. It's not necessary to do that. And I, and I don't struggle with not doing that, by the way. I don't, I don't struggle with that. I, I, don't, I haven't punched someone in a lot of years. <laughs> I think since I was in ninth grade. Um, genuinely trying to hurt somebody else. Just because you have a desire that feels like you must... Have that desire just because you feel like you must do or have that thing. I must get the approval of others. It is not a necessity. In the same way, what you do with your physical bodies, it's it's not a necessity. You want to think biblically about that. You might have temptations to a variety of different sins. And by the way, we want to be careful how we speak about sins, right? Not demonizing certain kinds of sins. If someone here is, is tempted towards homosexuality or tempted to, to, to like people of the same sex, to be attracted towards them, we don't want to demonize that. We want to be understanding of that. But we also want to speak the truth of God's word to that. Just like we would do if, if someone was a spouse abuser or someone was a liar or someone cheated or someone, whatever sin you might struggle with. We don't want to demonize that. We want to be in the grace of God's word the freedom that comes through God's word to bear. But you know, our bodies, the realities have been tainted by sin. Our bodies are weak. We saw in Corinthians, our bodies are also meant to be a temple. If you've been made a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been born again, not only were you made in God's image, but you're meant to, to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. What does a temple mean? A temple is where you go to worship. A temple is, is the place where, where God is spoken of. A temple is a place where God is exalted, where his presence is made known. And so when you think about that as a believer, as a Christian, whoa, that brings meaning to our bodies. Our bodies are meant to be a temple. A place that speaks of God's presence, that makes God known, that declares his value, his worth, that extols him. And any practice that goes against extolling and worshiping and imaging God in that way is contrary to God's design. Now, one day we, we learned in, in Corinthians we're to be redeemed with a new resurrection body that's not tainted in any way. But until then, we want to conform our thinking. To what God's word says about us. the scriptures, you know, when we think of in the Old Testament and New Testament, both when it talks about the soul, um, for us today, when we think soul, we equate that to spirit. No, that's really not what soul generally means. In general, when, when the word soul is used, it's meant to, to talk about the very core of who we are, spirit, soul, and body, all the above. It's the core essence of who we are. And so sometimes today when we think of soul, we think, well, that's who we really are, and that's apart from the body, and there's no such separation in the Bible. That's why we long for the day when our bodies will be resurrected, because it's not good to be bodiless as a human. Our bodies referred to as a tent, but that's only a temporal state. It's not that they're merely external and they don't matter. But you know what? Often our, our self perception can differ from what God says about us. Anybody here ever have a different self perception than what the scripture says about you? Anybody here? Okay. You, you ever think more highly of yourself than is really true? You ever maybe think that, that your body is not good enough, that you're not attractive enough, that, that, or maybe that you maybe think that you're really attractive in God's gift to the other, to males or to females? Our self-perception can differ from what God says about us, but that doesn't make it reality. You see, God's our creator. He designed us. He made us. It can be thrown off, though, by our desires, by a corruption of our faculties, by deceit, by sin. Our self-image can be at odds with who God says we are as made in his image to reflect him. But since our own self-perception and our our own self-image, they don't truly define us, but they can influence and affect us deeply. And so where that's true, we want to reorient our thinking. I, I love Romans 12, one and two. He, he's appealing to the church and he says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies. You see, your bodies are important. What you do in your body matters. He says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. So our bodies are part of our spiritual worship. What we do with our bodies, how we image him as male and female, what we do, how we reflect him, it matters and that is a part of spiritual worship and we need to transform, be transformed by renewing our minds with God's word. He says in verse two, don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you might discern or prove what's the will of God. What's good and acceptable and perfect. Deviating from God's design is damaging without exception. It might take time, but often we can be short sighted, just like in every way we can be short sighted. You know, if you have ever been tempted as you're looking at the internet and you see something that is tempting, you have a choice to make. You have a choice to be ruled by your desires, or a choice to be ruled by who God's defines you and made you to be—to image Him, to reflect Him, to reflect His good design. If you find yourself trapped, no matter where you are, if you are trapped in sin, if you have found that you have gone away from God's designs, either either said legalistically more than God says about you, or or licentiously said less than what God says about you if you have been living in that way or thinking about yourselves and your sexual identity in a way that is not godly and not part of his good design there's good news for you um, there is an ability to repent if you are a Christian he's given you a new nature new desires and he'll enable you to be conformed into his image You don't have to give in to looking at pornography. You don't have to give in to sexual promiscuity. You don't have to give in to the world's ways of thinking about who you are, your feelings, your desires. God made you and there's hope in Christ that he can empower you by his spirit because he gives you new desires and a new nature. So as we close, I just want to ask a few questions. I want you to think about how has your thinking about yourself been shaped by what you feel how is your thinking about yourself been shaped by what you feel how is your thinking about yourself been shaped by what you desire how is your thinking about yourself shaped by what you desire how is your thinking about others shaped by what you feel or what you desire How's your thinking about others and how you relate to them? How has that been shaped by what you feel or you desire? How are you seeking to image God as a male and as a female? How are you seeking to reflect and to image Him, to, to worship Him through how He's created you to be? How are you seeking to show God's goodness through your sexuality? How are you seeking to image the character, the nature of God and how you treat others and others who struggle with these things we've been talking about? How, how are you seeking to image the character, the nature of God, the ways of God and how you treat other people? Our desire is that as a church, we would not be shaped by the culture around us, by our feelings, by our desires, but in who God's made us to be, Amen. Let's just pray and have the band come up and we'll close. Father, we we ask for you to renew our minds. Renew our minds with the truth of your word. Transform our thinking. Transform how we relate to each other. Transform how we worship you as you renew our minds, the truth of who we are in you and who you made us to be. God, where we've sinned, where we've deviated from your good design, would you enable us to confess our sins, would you enable us to turn away from our sins, to repent to be different, and would you empower us, Lord to live for who you created us to be God, we want to worship you in, in full view of your mercies, Lord, would your mercies and your grace be of the motivation Lord, because you have you've saved us, Lord we were once in darkness, we were once constrained to sin, and Lord you sent your son to set us free and so you you, you've spoken mercy to us you've given grace to us when we were confused and dark and dead lord i pray that your mercies would motivate us to want to now live for you because you set us free to do that in jesus name we pray amen let's stand and sing